The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. The handle unmarked. But the gun has killed and the man has killed. People call them both the six-shooter. Around Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Hello again, this is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another Western Wednesday. Today we have a great Gunsmoke episode featuring Doc Holliday in the episode. For my money, the best performance of Doc Holliday ever was probably Val Kilmer's performance in Tombstone, made in the 1990s. Here we have Val Kilmer and Michael Bean playing Doc Holliday and Johnny Ringo in Tombstone. Why, Johnny Ringo? You look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. <clears throat> Play for blood, remember? I was just fooling about. I wasn't. And this time, it's legal. And it's written by Herb Purdom. I think that should be an exciting episode for you to listen to. And then following that, we have a lighter episode of The Six Shooter. And is Britt Ponsett going to get married? I don't know. Let's find out and get on with the shows. Here we go. Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Sure, I figure I'm making you dance some for the folks. You think you can hoorah me? Dude, I said dance. Dance or the next shot will take off one of your toes. I don't think I'd like that. Doc, no. All right, Thorne, put up the gun. 
Marshal, you got a wild and woolly town here. Marshal, you move aside. I'm going to make this grinning dude kick up his heels for us. I'd say that might be quite a trick, Thorne. Unless he's changed a lot since I last met him. Have you, Doc? Not for the good, Matt. <laughs> I was afraid. You pacey-faced tenderfoot. I said for Shut you... Shut up, Thorne. He's drunk, Doc. He's dead. You just don't know it yet. I'll take it good if you'd meet me later at my office. All right, Matt. To you. Well, that's sure a lot of talk. Now I'm going to shoot that dude's boot heels. Fire one shot and I'll pistol with you, Thorn. What's that? You're kind of forgetting who's holding a gun, ain't you? I wasn't forgetting. Oh, my wrist. You broke my wrist. I doubt it. Now let's go to jail. Oh, you can't put me in jail. I'm Thorn Finley. Move. Oh, you wait like hell, Big Jack, about this. And I will, too. Do that. He might be grateful to me for saving your neck. You pulled some fool stunts, Thorn, but you've never been closer to dying than just a minute ago. Do you mean from that fancy pants? Oh, I could handle six like him. That makes you a lot of man. I can name a dozen pretty good gun hands who can't handle one of it. What? That's Doc Holliday. worse, Doc. Yeah, I got orders to go to Arizona. <coughs> Air's dry there. Better for my lungs. Going? Thought I might. Wyatt invited me to visit him. He and Virgil and Morgan of the law down there. Some little mining town called Tombstone. <laughs> well, it sounds peaceful anyway. If it isn't, it will be by the time Wyatt Earp gets through. He is the peacemakingest man I ever met outside of you. <laughs> Matt, who was the tellerhead down at the depot, anyway? Oh, Thorne? He's just a spoiled kid. Kid? Couldn't be much younger than you. Sure, but Thorne never grew up. His father has coddled him and protected him and gotten him out of scrapes ever since he was a pup. He's never had to be a man. Not with Big Jack wet nursing him. Big Jack. Big Jack Finley. Oh, you know him? I've heard of him. Well, that figures he owns about half of Kansas. Star in a box runs more cows than he can count. Swings a lot of weight and dodge. Yeah, too much. Mr. Dillon? Mr. Dillon, somebody said that Doc Holliday had come into town today and he... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> it's all right, Chester. Why don't you shake hands with him? Don't mind if I shake with my left hand. It's kind of habit. Yeah, I know. Mr. Dillon has the same habit. He would. How about dinner tonight, Matt? Sure, sure. <laughs> How long will you be in Dodge? Not long. <coughs> Just till I finish a chore. Uh-huh. That, uh, chore have anything to do with Big Jack Finley? Might say so. It's gonna kill him. Forgot to close the door, Mr. Finley. You're going to turn my boy loose? 
Well, I'm going to have to do it for you. You got a writ of habeas corpus? Writ? Thorne didn't commit no crime. The charges are drunk and disorderly, disturbing the peace, and attempted assault with a deadly weapon. I was. You still need a writ. But man, Judd Nathan does what I say, and you know it. But you think I can get a writ? I'm sure you can and will. You always do. Then what's the point, Dylan? It's just a lot of useless red tape. It's a law. Close the door on the way out. All right, Thorne. Didn't I tell you Big Jack would get me out? When are you going to learn you can't save the speech? The law can't touch a Finley. You ought to get smart, Marshal. Like you? Sure, like me. Hi, Big Jack. You okay, son? Fine. Anything else, Mr. Finley? Why, yes. Uh, my boy here is a little boisterous sometimes. I know. High-spirited, you understand? Uh-huh. So? So I want to put a stop to all this nonsense of yours, arresting him every time he kicks up his heels a bit. Now, go on. Well... I'm offering you a job. Let's say, protecting my interests. Two hundred a month. And no work, naturally. <laughs> I see we understand each other perfectly. No work, of course. All I have to do is just shut my eyes whenever Junior here breaks the law, huh? I said we understand each other. There's no need to elaborate on it, Dylan. There's a big need. Only how do I explain to a person like you that some men don't wear a price tag? Huh? How do I explain how I feel about a so-called respectable citizen making the law his private doormat? Hey, you're nothing but the stupid gunman I've always thought you were. I understand you took the part of Doc Holliday against my son. I kept Thorne from committing suicide, yeah. You sided with a notorious killer against an important citizen of this community. Now I'm telling you, Dylan. Holiday. I don't want him in Dodge tomorrow. Doc may be a gunfighter, but he's clear with the law, Finley, and a better man than your son will ever be. What? Why, I... That hurts, doesn't it? You... I'm serving notice, Marshal. You run that killer out of Dodge City, or I'll do it myself. Big Jack Finley. Cattleman and self-made king of southern Kansas. No better or worse than most of the men carving empires out of the West. Until love for his son blinded him to the fact that Thorne Fenley had gone bad. And from here on, I knew the war was on between Big Jack and me. So Big Jack Fenley's going to run me out of town, huh? Yeah. Unless I do it first. Oh? I do something naughty, man? Well, you threatened a man's life. Oh, <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> and just between friends, man. Anything else, Doc? Not murder. Murder? I can give him an even break. Uh, with you, that's still murder. Uh, don't you think you better tell me about it? Mm-hmm. What if I don't tell you? Now, then my job's to warn Fenley and try to protect him. You're a tough man to be friends with, man. It applies to you, too, doesn't it? Guess maybe it does at that. Didn't realize I put you on the spot by spouting off my good intentions. Sorry. Oh, forget it, forget it. <coughs> you want to talk to me? <coughs> All right. 
Remember a girl named Ruth Davis? Mm-hmm. Died in a riding accident a few months ago. Always wondered if it wasn't suicide. She lost her brother two weeks before that. No accident. No suicide. You sure? Sure. You know, Ruth and her brother ran the ranch alone. Mm-hmm. A man started pestering Ruth, and she hated him. Her brother kicked the man off the ranch. This fellow dry gulped Ruth's brother made it look like a robbery. You have any proof of this? Yeah. Ruth was afraid to go to the law, so she sent a letter to me. Here, read it yourself. She says the man was Finley and says she expects him to try and shut her up for good. Well, that doesn't mean it's Big Jack. I went to see Ruth's folks. They had her belongings. Among them, I found this. Hmm. Watch chain. Engraved J.F. on the clasp. Jack Finley. You see why I've got to kill him, Matt? He forced Ruth's horse over that cliff, sure. But do you still think she died accidental? No. But who's responsible is something for a court to decide. Court? With Finley's money and influence, he wouldn't spend five days in jail even if he was convicted, which he wouldn't be. He doesn't own the court. Maybe not, but it's still the most powerful man in the state against a dead girl whose only friend is Doc Holliday. How do you think a judge will decide? Doc, I'm going to ask you a favor. Make it one I can give. I got an idea, but uh, you must let me handle it my way. Give the law a chance. All right, Matt, I can wait. Thank you. I'll keep this letter in chain for a while. All right, but if the law fails, I'll brace Big Jack Finley when he walks out of the courthouse. And you'll be bracing two men, Doc. Finley and me. Fine day. Well, you're up kind of early just to bring me a weather report, aren't you, Judge Nathan? Huh? Oh, well, I I want to see you. Now go right ahead. You mind if I finish shaving? No, no, please do. Just thought I'd chat with you about the Barker uh, Finley's. Uh-oh. Uh, yes. It seems that Big Jack's very upset by your attitude. I'm not surprised. Feels you're a little rough on his boy. I am. And his boy's a little rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, perhaps Thorne is high-spirited, like uh, yesterday. Yesterday he was just plain high. Tell me, Judge Nathan, how do you like being on Fenley's payroll? Uh, what? You know, you used to be a pretty decent person. Oh, you can't talk to me like Yes, I can. I'm sending a copy of Thorne's record to the governor. Governor. And with it, I'm sending a list of the rich you've issued to get him out of jail and a copy of the court records. I've only tempered my justice with mercy, that's all. Thorne's been arrested for 18 offenses, convicted of 10, spent no time in jail, and paid a total of $15 in fines. I'd say you've been very merciful. Um, you said you were sending this to the governor. You haven't actually mailed it yet? No. You got an op. Not that I don't feel justified in any decisions I've made, but uh, such a report might cause undue talk at the Capitol. And ruin your political hopes. 
Well, my conditions are simple. Get off Finley's payroll now. Very well. And give me cooperation from here on, no matter who's involved. Do that and I shelve the report. I'll do it. Mr. Dillon, trouble's a making. What kind of trouble, Chester? It's Big Jack Finley, Mr. Dillon. He's rounding up his crew at the Alifraganza. They're going to ride Doc Holliday out of town on a rail. Did you cut yourself shaving? We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first... Don't forget, starting Monday, CBS Radio's tremendous news staff will start bringing you the complete coverage of the Democratic Convention in Chicago. As you found during the Republican Convention, CBS Radio never misses. So, starting Monday, stay with CBS Radio all day and evening for the Democratic Convention. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Save me some bruises. One I owe you, friend Matt. It's my job. Still one I owe you. There he is. Wrap him up. All right, stop right there. I'll shoot the man who takes another step. You think you're going to stop us, Dylan? I think so. Me and Doc. Doc. Show him, Doc. Sure thing, Marshal. Look, boys, surprise. I sure do love surprises. Dylan, I've got a dozen men with me. Well, sure, about six of them will die, Finley, if you don't crawl out of here fast. And guess who'll die first, Big Jack? You there, Moncrief. I always figured you for some brains. Get your boss out of here, quick. He's sure talking sense, Big Jack. Shut up, Moncrief. You showing yellow. Oh, but man, there's nothing here for us to die over. Listen to him, Finley. That greener Doc is holding has 18 buckshot in each barrel. He'll get slaughtered if he triggers that thing. And I'm getting edgy, Finley. And me, if I get a coughing spell, I'm liable to shoot without meaning to. All right, all right. <coughs> this is twice you have made a Finley back down. You'll never get a third chance. Let's get out of here. Matt, when are you going to arrest him? When I'm ready. Not long. I hope not. Getting impatient to see that man dead. Uh, 
your message, Marshal. I hope it's important. It is, Moncrief. How long you been foreman for Big Jack? Fifteen, sixteen years. You know him pretty well. Would he be the kind to kill a girl? No, of course not. Because he'd kill a man if he got mad enough, but he wouldn't kill no girl, Marshal. Well, I have proof that he did. A girl and her brother, but it doesn't set right. I'm hoping you can help. What's your proof, Marshal? The letter that names Finley as the man. Ruth Davis wrote it before she died. Ruth Davis. And this watch chain was found with her belongings. It's engraved on the back. I know. I uh, was with Big Jack when he bought this chain in Chicago. It was right after his wife died. Big Jack wore it all the time? Mm. You uh, rode the right hunch, Marshal. What? Thorne is your man, just like you figured. He had a yen for the Davis girl, but he kept it quiet. Because he didn't want it known, she throwed him over. But the watch chain... Big Jack gave that to Thorne on his 25th birthday. Whole ranch can testify to that. Mm. Good. All right, thank you, Moncrief. You, uh, gonna try and arrest Thorne? Why? If Big Jack believes Thorne killed that girl, it'll break his heart. Broke her neck. If he don't believe it... Then? He'll protect Thorne. And, Marshal, there's not enough lawmen in the state of Kansas to make Big Jack give up his son. Judge Nathan. Uh, Holiday. Oh, yes, I've heard of you. I've heard of you too, Judge. Wonder which has heard the worst. Uh-uh. What's that? Uh, why, I, uh... Judge, I'm here on business. Oh, of course. Uh, come in, won't you? In my study here, so we won't be disturbed. Now... What is it, Marshal? I want you to swear out a warrant for Thorn Finley's arrest. Charge murder. You sure you want to go with me, Doc? I'm sure. <coughs> All right, hold up your right hand. On. Oh, no, Matt, you wouldn't make me a lawman. If you go, you go as my deputy. I'm not letting you make this a private fight. And with my friends, if they hear I wore a star. All right, Matt, it's your show. You swear to uphold and enforce the laws of this community, the state of Kansas, and the United States to the best of your ability as deputy marshal, so help you God. All of that? All of that. I swear. Here, pin on this badge. All right, man. You know, I'm feeling this badge is going to cramp my style something terrible. Better breathe our horses going up through this pass. We've still got a good ride ahead. How far? Oh, about ten miles. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Matt? Will they fight? Well... 
on the other side of the pass behind you. That's being smart, Dylan. Queen will drop you if you touch her gun butt. You're handy at this bushwhacking, aren't you, Thorne? If Doc He's had... all right. My slug seems to have bounced off his thick skull. Good. Yeah, let's pull your teeth. Well, better you do it. With your left hand, reach down and across slow. Pull your gun out with your fingertips and toss it away. Nervous? Just cautious. Or maybe this queen doesn't exist, huh, Thorne? Queen! Queen's one of Dad's men, but uh, I pay him extra to work for me. Any more questions? I guess not. There's my gun. The rifle next. I, uh... I got a penknife in my pants pocket. You know why Holiday came to Dodge? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you do. You wouldn't be riding with him. Well, he's not going to tell any stories to my dad or anyone else. Uh, you can't kill us, you stupid... Not planning on killing you. And what have you got planned? A queen's kind of a magician. He's going to make Holiday just disappear. Folks won't care much about one of his kind. I would. I'd care so much I'd hang you for it. No. No, with Holiday gone, it's your word against mine. And you won't be able to approve a thing, Dylan. You sure of that? I'm sure. Otherwise, I'd take care of you along with Holiday. Now, get on and start walking back to town. It's like I told you. Law can't touch a Finley. It was no time for heroics, so I walked. When I reached a turn, I cut back through the rocks, but it was too late. They were gone. And with them, the horses, guns, and Doc Holliday. Two miles up the road, I found my horse turned loose. And with a mind full of cold hate, I raced onto the star in a box. On the front porch of the ranch house was one of Big Jack's men. Hold it right there. Out of my way, mister. I'm in no mood to shake hands. Where are you heading, lawman? You don't hear well. Dylan! Where's Holiday? Friendly? How should I know? Get off my ranch. And where's that prize son of yours? What? Trot him out. I want him. Do you now? What on earth for? Thorn, put that gun away. Oh, no. This is just in case the marshal loses his temper. I've lost it, Junior. Sure. Dylan, I've had all I'm going to stand from you. You just think you have. Where's Holiday, Thorn? Where'd Queen take him? Holiday? Why, well, I haven't the faintest idea. Where is Queen, Dad? The righty fence line, but... See, Marshal, we don't know where your friend is. You're under arrest, Thorn. What's that? Ask him to show the warrant. Here. Read it, Finley. Oh, oh no. No, that, that, that's not possible. The judge wouldn't issue a warrant without proof. He has proof, Thorn. This is a lie. Thorne couldn't be guilty of murder. No. Take a look at his face. Son. Daddy's trying to frame me. D don't let him get away with this. No, I won't. I won't. Get out, Dylan. Man, open your eyes. This is not going to help you. You heard me. I don't believe you, your warrant, or your proof. I believe my son. So get off this ranch. Get out of the state. 
You let me see you again, so help me, I'll kill you myself. Forget me, you're bucking the law, you can't I'm in my own law. So do I. Doc Holliday. God, you're supposed to be dead. Queen was supposed to be... the one who's dead. I carry a knife in my boot just for men like him. Bowen, God help me. You are guilty. He sure is. And if he knows any prayers, he'd better get them over with. No, Doc. He goes back with us as our prisoner. You're wrong, Marshal. I'll take care of my son. Dad. Dad, no. You rotten, lying, murderous. Please, please don't. I Dad. should have strangled Stand you in the cradle when you were. Stand away, shoot, shoot you all. Manley, look out. I threw myself at Fenway and bumped him set the floor, rolling away from Thorn as he raised his gun to fire. Then in the doorway, the blood-stained, terrible figure of Doc Holliday went into action. His pale hands blurred over his whole... Ruth Thanks, Chester. You sure you want to stay around a while, Doc? Yeah, we're good friends, Matt, but you're a peace officer. I guess I'm not a very peaceful man. <laughs> you could be, Doc. <laughs> no, I'm not going to change, and you shouldn't. Law needs men like you. No, if I stayed there, there's too good a chance I might cross you. Yeah. Then I'd have to meet you over gun barrels, and it's one thing I'm afraid of. So long, Matt. Good luck, Doc. My. I never would have thought Doc Holliday was scared of meeting anyone in a gunfight. Hmm. You don't understand, Chester. Doc's afraid because he might beat me. Smoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Herb Purdom, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in our cast were Harry Bartell as Doc Holliday, with Lee Millar, Nestor Piva, Ralph Moody, and Tom Tully. Parley Bear is Chester. Join us again next week. As Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Sunday evenings, we invite you to join lovely Doris Day, Spring Byington playing a December Bride, and Audrey Totter as Millie. They're here on most of these same CBS radio stations. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network.
In a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as the six-shooter, just one of the many fine programs brought to you Sundays on NBC. Later this evening, listen to the NBC Star Playhouse with one of your favorite stars. Hear Stroke of Fate and the story of what might have happened if fate had reversed historical facts. And be sure to keep tuned for the dramatic story of Last Man Out. It's a wonderful lineup of great programs, all of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the Six Shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as the six-shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponson, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. About the last place I expected to be that Tuesday was the town of Powder Creek. The Double G Ranch where I'd been working was clear on the other side of the territory, and either oh, about 200 miles away. But when Sam Griffith, he's the owner of the Double G... When Sam got a chance to buy off Forrest Trent's herd, he sent me over to close the deal. So the next thing I knew, I was walking down the main street on my way to the bank where I was supposed to meet Trent. Gee, well, it sure was a nice day. Kind of Indian summer-like. A lot warmer than it had a right to be in October. The sun had fooled the maple trees into thinking it was spring. A couple of them beside the Civil War cannon in the square were even starting to bud. The two fellas sitting underneath it playing checkers in their shirt sleeves, eh? Well, it looked like the sun had fooled them, too. <laughs> Howdy. Just a minute, mister. Just a minute till I make this move. There. That ought to hold you, Jonah. Yeah. Now, uh, what was it you wanted, mister? Oh, I didn't want anything. I just said howdy, that's all. Oh, Howdy. Well, speak to the man, Jonah. He spoke to us. It's my move now. I'll do my talking afterwards. Yeah. Howdy. Oh, it's a nice day. Yeah. Well, so long. Uh, hold up there a minute, son. Hmm? See, see that gun of his, Jonah? Yep. You, uh, you ain't Brett Ponsett, the six-shooter. My name's Ponsett, yeah. You hear that, Jonah? He's Brett Ponsett. Yep. And we was kind of wondering when you was going to show up, Mr. Ponsett. Been expecting him for the last month or so. What's that? Yeah, when you got to jump, you got to take it. That's the rule. All right, all right, yep. Jonah. All right, I know the rule. Well, we'll take it then, take it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> there. You satisfied? Uh, you, you said something about expecting oh, why, me. Oh, sure. Go... Ever since we heard the news. Congratulations. What? He said congratulations. Now let's get on with the game. All right. Mm. You're moving. Now, how in thunder should I know all this chattering going on? Well, I don't like to keep you interrupting, but mm. I wonder if you'd mind explaining just what you Shh. meant by... by... Jonah's trying to think. Yeah, I know, but... What I, I don't what want I... him to claim I beat him because we kept him from concentrating. No, 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 of course not. No, no, I, I... Shh. 
Well, I knew that the Trent cattle would turn out to be good stock. The Double G was lucky to be buying them. But since they weren't going to belong to me, I couldn't see why congratulations were in order. Unless folks in Powder Creek had heard wrong, unless they thought I was outfitting a ranch of my own. And I started to explain things to the fellows playing checkers, but they shushed me again, good, good and loud this time. So I gave up and went on town toward the bank. I was just passing by the newspaper office when I bumped into Quint Todd. He was editor of the Powder Creek Press, a weekly newspaper. Matter of fact, he was more than just an editor. Quint's paused, retired in the last six or seven years, and he was putting out the paper practically single-handed. Afternoon, Quint. Huh? Oh, that's you, Ponset. So you finally got here, huh? Well, I'm here, if that's what you mean. I didn't realize folks were so anxious about me. Some of us are anxious, maybe. Some of us ain't. Ah. Uh-huh. What, are you, you upset about something, Quint? Why should I be upset? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. If the things are all right, aren't they? I mean, with the paper. Paper's fine. I'll save you the next issue so you can see your name in print. See, my... Well, I sure can't think of any reason why you'd be writing about me. It's customary, ain't it? What? It's customary to write about the groom. The groom? The what? what? I'm busy now, Ponson. I got a story to run down. Oh, Quint, no, well, I listen hope to you'll me. be real happy. Both of you. No, but Quint, I... Hey, for Pete's sake, Quint, wait, Quint! Well, he'd lost his senses. That's the only explanation of that. He'd Quint Todd had just plain lost his senses. That Me being a groom. Me? And who in the Sam Hill did he think I was going to marry? How... I hadn't even been keeping company. Not that I have anything against marriage, you understand. I, Like people say, it's an institution, a, a noble institution. Why, some of my best friends are married. And I, I suppose someday, not right away, of course, not very soon, but someday, maybe I'll... Well, I... Hello, Britt. I was on my way to meet you. Huh? What? What's the matter? You look like you just fell off a bronc. Oh, hello, Trent. I uh, guess I was kind of preoccupied. I was thinking about something. (laughs) I reckon we shouldn't expect you to have all your faculties in good working order. (laughs) Not at a time like this, huh? Huh? What? Oh, sure was a surprise. Never thought I'd see the day when some woman... Would put a saddle on you. What? <laughs> well, we better get over to the bank. I told Mr. Fredericks we'd be there uh, by three about. Uh, he's drawing up the papers. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, Trent. Yeah? Now, about me getting married, the fact of the matter is, I... Oh, Fred, you know I was just joshing with that saddle tall. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I well, know, to tell I you know, the truth, but... it's high time you did put down some roots. Maybe so. Maybe yes, so, Trent. Sir, you I... just wait till you got a family of your own. Why, you'd be a different man. Oh, that's possible. That's possible, Trent. Uh, but just where did everybody get the notion that I was almost well, ready to... You didn't think you could keep it a secret, did you? A secret? <laughs> well, you ought to know Minnie better than that. Minnie? <laughs> yeah, that's who told me. Well, of course, there'd been rumors going around for several weeks, but until I heard it from Minnie herself... Oh, wait, wait, hold on here. You mean Minnie Flint? Well, who else would I mean? It's her niece you're marrying, ain't it? <laughs> What are you acting so strange about? Uh, look, look, uh, look, now, I just want to get this straight. Minnie Flint told you I was marrying her niece? 
Well, she told everybody. I say. Well, now, Britt, I, I know how a man feels when he's getting ready to jump overboard. <laughs> I felt the same way myself, sort of awkward and embarrassed. Mm. Well, please, out of <laughs> You wish mate. folks didn't know about it so they wouldn't poke fun the way they always do. <laughs> uh, but you can't blame Minnie for spreading the news. Well, I sure do blame her. Well, now, Britt, Minnie's been like a mother to Helen, raised her since she was a baby. Well, Helen ain't never had no folks of her own. I know that. I know that. Well, then, you shouldn't mind Minnie being proud. Why shouldn't she do a little bragging, huh? Well, of course. Oh, uh, the women folks around here seem to think you're quite a catch. Oh, now, listen, Diane. Now, Tramp, well, let me tell you something. Here's the bank. I suppose that you'll want to get this business done with pronto so you can get straight over to Minnie's place, huh, Britt? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I w- would like to get over to Minnie's. I'm coming. Just a minute, I'm coming. <gasps> Rick. You mind if I command many? Why, uh, well... Excuse me. Thanks. It's your... Nice to see you, Britt. I didn't have any idea you were in Powder Creek. I didn't have any idea at all. Uh-huh. You're, uh, you're just passing through, ain't you? You're not staying. Well, uh, some folks seem to think I am. I, at least long enough to get married. Oh, you've heard. Well, so is everybody else, as far as I can tell. Your announcement of my engagement seems to have blanketed the whole town. Now, Britt, I can explain well, that's why I'm here. Why don't you just sit down over there on the sofa? I've got some oatmeal cookies out in the kitchen. I just made them this morning. Minnie? Yes? You just uh, can forget about the cookies. I really don't have much of an appetite. Oh. Well. I'm waiting, men. Well, uh, you see, Britt, I only did it for Helen. Now, she's a fine girl, and will I... I wanted to help her out. Oh. On account of Quint. Quint Todd. They've been going together for nearly six years now, but he just never seemed to get around to asking her to marry him. Well, he must have his reasons. A man usually does. Oh, it's because of his father. You see, Quint's been taking care of old man Todd ever since he retired. And it must cost money, him being so sickly all the time. Uh Uh-huh. But Quint could have married her. Helen don't expect a lot of fancy clothes in a fine house. She's the practical type. I, I, just just what has this got to do with me? Uh... Well, I, I had an idea. I thought if maybe there was somebody else, if Quint believed Helen was interested in another man, well, maybe he'd come to his senses and, and take the bull by the horns and uh, marry her himself. I say, you've been... Sort of using me as a decoy, is that uh, the idea? I knew you was working for the double G. It didn't seem likely you'd be showing up in these parts. Uh, Not for the time being, anyhow. And afterward, well, after Quentin and Helen tied the knot, then it wouldn't matter. Well, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, men, both you and Helen. You don't think she knew about it? She didn't? Of course not. I didn't dare tell her. Why, she'd have never stood for it. Well, then how on earth did you manage to convince her that I was, uh, that I was uh, interested? I've got a sister living over in Black Mountain. Uh, that's not far from the double G. No, but what I mean is, how did you ever... Well, I hmm? sent her some letters, and 
ask her to post them for me. They were... Uh, they was love letters, Brett. I sort of changed my handwriting and uh, signed your name. Manny Flint. <clears throat> uh, I guess you might as well know the rest, too. Uh, when Helen answered them, uh, when she wrote back to you, well, I kind of saw to it that her answers never got mailed. Well... Well, I just don't know what to say. Oh, I never dreamed it'd go I this just... far, Britt. I was sure Quint would start talking serious when he first found out that you and Helen were corresponding, but he didn't. And then, well, I thought maybe if your letters got a little more uh, sincere, uh, well, maybe that would make him jealous. I left him around where he couldn't help seeing them whenever he come calling. You didn't actually propose in my name. Oh, no. Well. Britt. Well, uh, not in so many words, but reading between the lines, well, that's how Helen took it. She wrote you her answer two weeks ago. She wrote yes. What? Your uh, your letters were mighty convincing. Well, then you better start figuring out some way of unconvincing her. Well, I don't know. Maybe... Look, men, now, Helen's got to know the truth. And if you won't do it, well, I'll just have to tell all about it myself. Because... Oh! I guess maybe he's... Why, Britt. Why, you're here already. Hello, Helen. Oh, my goodness. Sure is good to see you, Britt. You're you're looking fine. So are you, Helen. So are you. Uh, I I wish I'd known you were coming. I wouldn't have been out doing the marketing. Oh, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Britt, I just got to tell you. Maybe I shouldn't say it right out like this, but... Well, ever since I was a little girl, I've looked up to you so. Why, it just seemed to me you were the finest man that ever came through Powder Creek. Now, now, Helen. Of course, I... I never guessed that someday... Well, that you and I... Oh, Britt, I'm so happy about it. Excited and happy. I just hope you're as pleased as I am. Are you, Britt? Uh, uh, sh- uh, sure, uh, Helen. Uh, sh- sure. We'll return to James Stewart as the six-shooter in just a moment. Every man and woman in the armed forces will tell you the only call that takes precedence over mess is mail call. And when a letter is more important to a hungry G.I. than food, you know it means something. And the truce in Korea is no reason why we should stop writing letters to our men and women in service, whether in U.S. camps or overseas. Mail from home is just as important now as it ever was. Oh, yes, and be sure to mail your soldier's Christmas packages this week In that way, you'll be sure he'll receive them in time to make his Christmas away from home a little more cheerful. Now, Act Two of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. There just wasn't anything else to say. There just wasn't. 
I couldn't tell Helen that I'd never really thought about her in a marrying way. And besides, many, she caused all the trouble. It was was her place to set things right. Min didn't open her mouth. She just stood there staring at us through her bifocals, real pleased with herself. The next thing that happened was Helen invited me to supper. Oh, boy, I sure didn't want to accept. All I wanted to do was just get out of the house and get out of Powder Creek, too, but... But what I wanted to do and what I did were two different things. I went back to the hotel where I was stopping, changed my shirt, and I rode out to Minnie's again. I guess Britt doesn't like my cooking at Minnie's. Hardly eating a thing. Oh, it's not that, Helen. Everything is fine. As I had a pretty big dinner at noon, and it uh, kind of stayed with me. More coffee, Britt. No, no thanks, man. You'll have to tell me your favorite foods, Britt, so I'll know what to fix after... I, uh, well, I sort of like most everything. Apple pie, I bet. Most men like apple pie. Why, whenever Quentin and I went up... Oh. Speaking of Quentin, I ran into him today. I'd just as soon not discuss him. Always, always seemed to me to be an awful nice sort of a fella. Quint. Please, Britt. Oh, 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 sorry. Well, <clears throat> I'll just rid up the table. Oh, here. Here, let me help No, you. no, no. I can manage... Besides, you two have lots of things to talk over. Well, all right. Real warm night for this time of year. Moon, too. A harvest moon. Oh, I, I, I hadn't noticed. We ain't taken down the porch swing yet, Britt. Oh, that's all. It... Uh... Might be kind of nice to sit outside for a spell. Well, whatever you say, Helen. Whatever you say. You sure you're not too cold out here? Oh, no. No, I'm fine. Besides, if I do get chilly... You could sort of... Uh, <coughs> Helen. Yes, uh, <coughs> Helen, uh, about, about us getting married, uh, we uh, we may not be able to have the wedding right away. Oh? Uh, well, you see, over at the Double G where I'm working, there's no place we could live. Well, you, you wrote me you had a cabin all to yourself. I did. And... You said it would fix up real easy, that there'd be plenty of room for both of us. Well, it would. It would have fixed up easy, Helen. But last week, there was a kind of a fire, and that cabin just burned right down to the ground. Oh, I see. There's nothing left of it now but just a few ashes. And that's one of the reasons I came over here to Powder Creek to explain about us having to postpone the ceremony, you see. Well, you don't have to stay at the Double G, do you? Yes, I do. Yes, yes, I do. I, I signed up for all of next year. Don't have any choice. So maybe maybe we ought to not be formally promised. I mean, if somebody else came along, I wouldn't blame you not for waiting. Britt, there won't be anybody else. Oh, you never know. You, you never and, know. And, and a year isn't very long to wait. A year isn't long at all. No, no, I guess not. But just in case. Wait a just... minute. I've got an idea. We don't have to wait. 
Hey. We can be married right away before you go back to the double G. Then afterward, I can stay on with Aunt Min. There'd be times when we could be together, when when you come over to Powder Creek for a week or so, like now. I never thought of that. You, you don't seem very anxious, Britt. From the sound of your letters, I thought you wanted to get married. Right oh, now. sure. Oh, sure. That's... It's just... I... Oh. Oh, well... Well, looks like somebody's riding up this way. Why, it's Quint. Quint Todd. Oh, oh. I'm going in the house, Britt. I don't want to talk to him. Oh, no, well, I, I thought you and Quint used to be pretty good friends. Yeah, that's all we were, just friends. He didn't mean anything to me, not really. Oh, well, you sure start running every time the name's mentioned. I'm you? not running. Oh, all right, I'll stay. Yeah, well, good evening, Quint. Hello, Ponsett. Helen. Good evening. You left word at the press office you wanted to see me. I left word? Uh, no, no, he means me, Helen. What? Uh, well, I figured he'd want to get the details on our plans. The paper comes out tomorrow, doesn't it? That's right. Yeah, well, I... I just want to tell you you couldn't have come at a better time. You see, we just finished settling things. The ceremony's going to be this week. Haven't decided on a day yet. How's Friday, Helen? Oh, well, yes, yes. The sooner the better. The sooner the better. Friday, then. Church wedding. Oh, of course, of course. I want everybody to come. Everybody in town. You better say so in the paper. There won't be time to send out formal invitations. You're invited, too, of course, Quint. I'll try and make it. There won't be much of a honeymoon. I'm heading back for the double G first part of next week. Helen's going to stay here with her aunt. She, she's going to stay in Powder Creek? Well, for the time being, anyway, don't sound like much of a marriage to me. Well, it's not the way we'd prefer it, but of course, you know, you can't always fix things up perfect. You have to take the better with the sweet, you know. Yeah, well, when I get married, I'll have a house for my wife and some money in the bank. There are more important things than houses and money. You never said so before. I never said I wanted a house of my own, did I? Well, no. But I couldn't ask you to move in with me and Pa, the way he's ailing all the time. That was just an excuse. If you loved me, you'd have asked. I did love you. You must have known I did. How was I to know? There's, there's no point in hashing it over now. Good night. No, now, hold on. Hold on now. Hold on, Quint. Now, just, just, just a minute. Now, I, I want to get this thing straight now. Oh, I, I could hardly believe my ears just now. You, you said you were in love with Helen? I still am, if you want to know it. Quint. Well, I sure don't like the sound of this. Uh, uh, Helen's engaged to me. How I feel about her doesn't matter. It's how she feels that counts. Oh, but if you're in love with her, now how do I know she's not in love with you? It's pretty plain that she isn't. I don't know. I don't know. You know, being in love usually works both ways, you know. Don't know about this. Well, Helen, what about this now? Britt, you, you know I... I don't care anything about him one way or the other. Now, is that the truth? You talking the truth now? You, we're not starting our marriage on a lie now, are we? Well, maybe I was fond of Quint once, but that was before... You're all over it now. All over it. Are you sure? I'm promised to you. Yeah, yeah, but I, uh... I, I wouldn't hold you to that promise. As a matter of fact, I'd insist you break it if I thought there was somebody else. Well, that's mighty generous of you, Britt. But you don't need to worry. Of course, if our marriage didn't go through, I'd be kind of upset. Hurt, maybe. Oh, I wouldn't ever hurt you, Britt. 
Not for anything. Oh, I get over it, Helen. I get over it. A man always does. At least I always have before. Before? Oh, sure, sure. Lots of times. Oh, yeah. But you wrote me that I was the only girl you, you ever... Oh, oh well, I, I... To tell you the truth, I, I, what I meant was that uh, you were the only girl I'd ever been engaged to, you see. That, oh. That's what I meant. <laughs> looks to me like the choice is up to you, Helen. Yes, yes, I... I think that's the way I see it, too. If you're smart, you'll choose Ponset. I sure haven't got anything to offer you. Just a small-town newspaper that wouldn't even give us a decent living. Oh, now, stop talking yourself down, Quint. Now, the Powder Creek Press one of the finest weeklies in this part of the country. Now, Brit- you know that. Well, Britt, he's a six-shooter. Why, he's practically famous. All I am is a cowpoke. I'm just an old cowpoke. I don't even know whether I'm going to have a job from year to year. Well, just, just a, the same. Just I an old cop. any girl in the territory would be pleased. Oh, be quiet, both of you. I think neither one of you wants me. I know who you are and what you are. And I know which one I'm... Well, which one I... Britt. Oh, uh-huh. You're getting a fine man, Helen. Quint, I told you to be quiet. Britt. I'm sorry. I hope you won't think that I'm, I'm fickle or, or don't know my own mind. But, well, you... You are the six-shooter. You don't really need a wife. Helen, you don't mean you're going to take me. And Quint... Well, he needs somebody to look after him. I've seen that house of his. Well, I'll bet the place hasn't had a good spring house cleaning for the last four years. As for Quint's father, he's a nice old man. And with a woman to look after him, maybe he won't be so sickly all the time. Well, you still haven't said that you love Quint. Why? Oh, I guess I've been in love with him ever since. You won't think too badly of me, Britt. No, no. No, I... It's kind of a blow, I guess. But like I said, it'll take a little while to get over it, and I... I'll manage somehow. I'll, uh, uh, I'll manage. Well, I left Quint and Helen standing out there on the porch. I went inside to get my hat. Minnie was hovering by the front window. And when she saw me, she shut it real quick. And tried to appear innocent. Well... It looks like your scheme finally worked out, man. My scheme? Seems to me it was more yours than mine. Well, what, what are you talking about? You know very well that you're asking Quint over here tonight was what brought things to a head. Well, I, I just wanted to make certain he had all the facts about our wedding, that's all. So that the story in the paper would be accurate. Oh, sure, Brett, sure, I know. <sighs> Poor Quint. What? Well, I guess he deserves it after making her wait all this time. Well, what do you mean, Minnie? Well, I was just thinking. He's going to have to toe the line real close, and he's not going to win many family arguments, neither. Well, I don't see why well, not. Well, I'll tell you why not. Every time Helen has trouble with him, all she'll say is, don't forget I could have married the six-shooter, but I gave him up for you. And Quint will just have to sit there and take it, no matter how often she says it. Oh, now, man, you Well, Quint and Helen were married the following Sunday. I stayed over for the wedding. Matter of fact, I was best man. Both of them insisted on that. 
But I didn't enjoy the ceremony very much. I, uh, I kept thinking that, you know, th- that it could have been me standing there saying the I do's. And, gee whiz, I sure was a close call. The Six Shooter is an NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt, and the transcribed story is written by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Barbara Eiler, Virginia Gregg, Bill Johnstone, Sam Edwards, and Herb Lightman. Special music for this program was by Basil Adler. And the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Tonight here, Angela Lansbury in the NBC Star Playhouse on the NBC Radio Network.